Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to a somber Cavs of the Podcast uh, after what uh, possibly the worst regular season loss in Cavs history, would you say? Uh, one Maybe. Of the, uh, at least the biggest it's collapse. The third, it's the That's third the worst impressive. collapse in NBA history. Yeah, yeah. The, and the other one, one of the other ones belongs to the Cavs, uh, and that was when the Kyrie-led Cavs uh, under... Uh, our favorite coach, um, Byron Scott. Byron Scott lost to blew a twenty six point lead in the fourth to the Miami Heat, led by LeBron James. So, oh, for real? Yeah, I remember that game? Yeah, I don't remember that game. Oh, I re- I wrote a big article on it called an oral history uh, an oral history article <laughs> on it because it was it was that an obviously wasn't that, that obviously that obviously wasn't the Baron Davis. Um, Ryan Holland's game. <laughs> I don't remember, but <laughs> yeah, it, it was bad. And coming off a Friday game where the Cavs lost uh, to an Atlanta team missing five starters, uh, got blown. The doors blown off them in the fourth, and lost by fifteen, I believe. So yeah, this tonight's one twenty six, one twenty five overtime loss. Cavs blew a twenty six point lead. <laughs> In the fourth quarter, we're just absolutely killing that team through three quarters, and then uh, just kind of collapsed. Um, Tom, how much did you get to watch? Were you listening on, on the radio, or no? I was watching box score okay. on my phone. I was at, I was getting, I was, yeah. So tell me what happened because I kind of don't believe it. Okay, so uh, my history of the game was I, I went to bike to the Winking Lizard over by uh, Walsh and then uh, was watching the game through the, 
through the first half. And then, so I left, uh, caught, got caught up, watched most of the third quarter on, on fast forward. And then I like took a three minute ride to my mother-in-law's house and <laughs> all of a sudden they were like only up eight. And it was just everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, and, and feel free to interject here anytime, Sam. The yeah. Cavs just kept the, all the passing of the first three quarters was gone. Kyrie was jacking up a lot of long mid rangers. Um, the ball was not moving, and the defense was just not happening. Meanwhile, uh, eight turnovers, a a bugaboo that has bitten the Cavs time and again. In and I don't think did LeBron rest in the third. If he did, it wasn't for, like a for very two long. Two stretch or something like that. It wasn't very long. Yeah, and you kind of got the idea that Tyloo's game plan was to just play the starters, close the team out, and then go home. Well, the Hawks put in that lineup that of Mike Muscala and um, Tim Hardaway Jr. And I can't remember who the point guard was. Uh, Cal- Calderon, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Jose Calderon. Yep. Good so call. basically, the bench squad that killed them right. the previous game. Yeah. Exactly. And the Cavs just had no answers. Uh, they were moving the ball, getting wide open shots. Uh, they were out rebounding the Cavs, and the Cavs just would not stop turning the ball over. Then combine that with going down the stretch and in overtime, just some absolute garbage officiating. Of just terrible. I uh, I mean there was just blown plays that. I mean the sixth foul on LeBron they call a loose ball foul for pushing Millsap in the back and from the replay like literally LeBron James is pulling his hands in and backing away from Millsap and it was just one. That of the, one was bad. Yeah, go ahead, keep going. That one was bad. The the three pointer at end of regulation, like, I mean. <laughs> That's about as ticky tack as you can get. He maybe like put a finger on the guy's wrist. Yeah, they and it was, that. it was the same one they called on Tristan Thompson against Paul George last week. Yeah, and well, what's then, the one like, where two guys were both out of bounds? Yeah, so then like, it. the Cavs are up by three, I believe, three or two, two, I think, and. LeBron goes to do the inbounds and somehow throws the ball to Kyrie in the corner after a made Atlanta basket. And instead of a timeout, they give Atlanta a jump ball. The problem was they showed later on replay, clearly both Atlanta Hawks players were out of bounds when they had the, had the tie-up. Yeah, but I mean, any time ever, Either way, yeah. they should have gone to replay and said Cavs ball, but they didn't do that. Uh, the only one they got right was, I mean, there was just very clearly Kevin Love got called for a charge on Mike D- Dunleavy, who was planted, planted inside the the charge circle, and they went to replay and overturned it. But uh, as Ben Worth noted uh, in his email comments after the game, the refs clearly got caught up in the moment of the game and we're a part of the comeback, a part of the moment. Uh, that's a problem that you have when you're on the road, uh, road refs. I mean, the, the refs really got carried away. 
And yeah, as this is kind of Ben's take, uh, chill out. The refs got carried away. They made some awful calls and some shots rattled out. Oh, and Amon Shumpert sucks. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, a good. I don't sh- know. I mean, we've been we've been calming down for months. Yeah, I know. I, mean, I know. What, I'm just let me let me finish. It at what point sh- is just at what point is the complete inability to just impose your will defensively a problem? Yeah, well, let me finish Ben's score. comments. Okay. Because it's the only comments Ben will have this podcast. Uh, nothing has changed, and yeah, Lou sucks and has no ability to change the refs, but everything else is, or to work the refs, everything else is just meh. The Kyrie, LeBron, JR, Kyle, and Love lineup is still going to kill teams, and it was fine even in the end. Um, Watching, knowing that the Cavs lost made it easier to analyze play without emotional involvement. It wasn't a meltdown as much as an absolutely horrible idea to reinsert Shump in a clear example of refs falling victim to the moment. So, I mean, that's a sober counterpoint to us, but I agree with you. At (laughs) what point does the Cavs' complete inability to manage games uh, come back to bite him? I mean, LeBron, a horrible foul on Millsap. I mean, I mean, even if you call it, you never foul a jump shooter. Even if they called it, it was a borderline call. You never foul a jump shooter. A terrible turnover, um, and then that sixth foul. I mean, the the turnovers that the Cavs had, it was the same thing. A gas Cavs team just turning the ball over. I, I mean, teams are going to start realizing you can attack the Cavs at the beginning of the fourth quarter because their guys are gassed, and teams are doing it. So, I mean... Mike Buttonholes are just completely outcoached Ty Lue. Ty Lue has no ability to work the refs, uh, takes terrible terrible at managing a game so far this year, and just his minutes distributions have been abysmal all year. And the minutes okay. police have been biting him in the butt all year. So, I mean, I agree with you, Tom. They're, it, yeah. It's going to rear its head in the like, playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, if you look at, at it like... To me, like thinking about the last two games with this one too, like after the Boston one, like as bad as the game was Thursday night, I can kind of understand it. Like big emotional game, like we got over that hump, we looked great. I can understand how there was a bit of a letdown, and it to me it looked like mostly they were just missing shots more than anything else on Thursday or Friday night. But tonight, like the first three quarters, it was like okay, let's reassert ourselves, and then once it got to the fourth quarter. You know, it, it, it just seemed to me like LeBron and Kyrie went into like peacock mode where, you know, yeah. look at this huge lead we got. And they just started like whenever LeBron starts taking those dribbles that go nowhere above the three point line, like, you know, I if I was his teammate, I'd just start running back to the other side of the court <laughs> and getting ready for defense. It just every time I see it, it just drives me nuts because he does it. Kyrie does it. And Amon Shumpert does it. Now, granted, one of those is not like the others, <laughs> but still, like, whenever they do that, it, it it's just got to demoralize the rest of the team so badly, and it just drives me nuts. Yeah, and, oh, let me, uh, let me loop uh, Eli in here. Tom, any response to that? Well, I just, I don't understand how you can give up 44 points. On the, on a, I mean, let's think about the situation, right? You're playing, you're playing your guys big minutes, so you you want to win the game. The number one seed is up for grabs. 
you just got embarrassed by this team's bench two days ago. You were down as a team. You were downtrodden about it. You know, you had some very negative words in the post game conferences. So there's like a revenge factor at hand. I just don't understand how you how you could let that happen. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like a good team would never let that happen. Yeah. I mean, it, we can talk about oh, they're going to flip the switch and all that until the cows come home, but. The whole idea behind flipping the switch is you don't care that much and you're not, you know, so it's this idea that it's like, well, you'll, you'll really give it your all when the games matter. But, I mean, I, I can't believe a game like tonight did not matter to the Cavs. There's well, no way and- they didn't want to avenge that embarrassment at home. And they were kind of doing it, and then you just fall apart. So, to me, that's just a – you're just not a very good team. Yeah. Because a good team wouldn't fall apart like that. And to me, the emblematic play for the entire weekend was the Cavs got down one, and they had an inbounds play with, what, about 20-some seconds to to try and get back. And inexplicably, uh, Kevin Love throws another horrible inbound play on a side out of bounds. It goes beyond... Kyrie Irving, who doesn't seal his man, um, I believe it was Hardaway, stole it. Kyrie gives up on the play. He's chasing him down and just stops and lets the guy go in for a layup. And it's like, well, that's an encapsulation of Kyrie's entire career, lazy transition defense. And then it was over. I mean, Kyrie, that they gave that up, and then the play... Oh, I think the play in the corner might have happened after that. Um, I don't remember how it all went down exactly, but that play was just an encapsulation of everything wrong with the Cavs right now. And they just made it. It wasn't just the refs. I mean, they just made mistake after mistake after mistake. And as uh, Ben said, Iman Shumper was an absolute train wreck. Uh, did nothing on offense, nothing on defense, and why he was in the game, nobody has any idea. But one reason he was in the game was because the Cavs cut DeAndre Liggins this morning. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Yeah, I well, mean, because you, you, you have a 26-point lead going into the fourth quarter. You should, be, you should put your best defensive players in and say, guys, dribble out the clock and heave up a prayer with a second left on the shot clock on every possession. And just don't give up 35 points, and you're going to win every time. Yeah. You have a 26-point lead. Yeah. (laughs) And yet, what are they doing? They're turning the ball over. They're taking shots early in the shot clock. They're taking deep jumpers. It's like, I mean, you're up so much. Just don't don't do anything stupid. And, you know, they had to both play badly, and the Hawks had to play well, and they had to not, like, play defense at all. And they did all three of them. and, And the refs. And all four of those things happened. It was a yeah, perfect well, storm of crap. And in, in all fairness, though, uh, I mean, we were going against Michael Jordan. Oh, wait a minute. There was a smudge <laughs> on my computer screen. That's Mike Muscala that we were going against. Tonight. Hey, that don't, five don't dog my boy Mike Muscala. <laughs> no, he played incredible. Five for six from the field, five rebounds, four assists, and a block. He was plus 16. I mean, I, I'd actually love for him to be the Cavs' backup center next year. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> no, and he killed the Cavs on Friday, too. 
And yeah. he rocks a man bun too. I mean, I don't know what the downside is for him. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the best, the best man bun the Cavs have had since Spencer Hawes, American Patriot, if they can get him. <laughs> oh man. Back to back world war champs. <laughs> oh man. So, so let me ask you guys a question. Yeah. Like there's still this, no matter what happens, the Cavs are the champs and there's an Lebron. He's been the six straight finals. They have a 12-game playoff win streak against Atlanta. They have a 12-game playoff win streak against Detroit. You know, it, they're still going to be favored. Like, I was talking to Eli on the phone earlier, and he's like, you know what, gun to my head, I still think Cavs are going back to the finals. But here's my thing. Like, if the playoffs start and they win game one by 20, and a lot of people are going to go, oh, I told you so. Like, I knew this was going to happen. I will be surprised. <laughs> no, we lost Tom there. I'm surprised at like a good win anymore because the norm for a month and a half has been just poor play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, how do you I guys feel about it? I mean, it's like, what is the switch? What are you flipping to? Are you flipping back to mid-February? Like when the team wasn't even the same team? I mean, what, what If game one against whomever, they win it by like 25, will you be surprised? Because I will. I feel like they're going to be in a dogfight in these playoffs in, like, round one. They're just not a good team right now. Well, and the well, other I guess thing, I keep just oh, looking. I try to keep last year in context because I feel like the last month last year was a drag, too. Not quite like this, but I, the last few weeks especially, it was just win-lose, win-lose, back and forth. And then the first round, we really didn't dominate Detroit either. Uh, every single game there was close, much closer than the Atlanta series. So maybe I just keep on trying to hope that, you know, we get to the playoffs. If we have a hard-fought first round, still might not be a bad thing, and maybe that'll be the, you know, the catalyst we need to keep going forward. But, I, you know, all year I've been telling anybody who I was talking to that all that matters is once we get to the playoffs. All that matters is when, is the playoffs. Once we're there, we're fine. And, you know, I'm trying to be as stubborn as I can, but, Man, it's hard to see a 26-point lead evaporate and just feel like the playoffs is a panacea. Like, that's going to solve everything. Well, or, I mean, have you have you seen any sort of extended, like, three or four possessions in a row where, <clears throat> where they're able to just lock down on defense? Because even the games they win, I feel like, like the Boston game, I mean, I don't know what Boston was doing in that game. They, like, didn't rotate to defend the rim ever and so LeBron just had a layup line the whole game and then they missed a lot of shots so I didn't even think like the Cavs played that well the Cavs missed a ton of shots too I think the Cavs whole offense right now is spread out and someone's going to get a three whether it's contested or not and they just their their defense is horrific so even if like tonight I saw like wow they really locked down and just the Hawks haven't been able to score for like eight minutes because the Cavs' defense is just smothering. It's like, no, if the Hawks went eight minutes without scoring, it just means they bricked a lot of open shots. Like, they're not doing anything to me to indicate that they can, they can. I don't know, and maybe maybe that's just LeBron literally doesn't try hard on defense in the regular season, and everyone else is a minus defender, and so he has to be impactful. That's kind of like what I'm secretly hoping is that he's going to become a demon on defense in the playoffs, which is something we haven't seen since the finals last year, and that will make a difference. But I don't know. Like, Channing Frye's a terrible defender. Kyrie Irving's a terrible defender. Um, 
Iman Shumpert's not a good defender somehow, even though that's like his role. Kevin Love's not a great defender. Tristan's hurt. I mean, I, it's I don't know. I, I don't like I don't like it. And and, and this is kind of kind of on a, a different note, but you talking reminded me about it. Like the thing that made us so good about Boston was they didn't have any rim protection, and LeBron and Kyrie could get in and either get a layup or, or dish it out for a good for a, an open three pointer. And the craziest thing about the Hawks run tonight in the fourth quarter is they didn't even have Dwight Howard on the floor. Like you would think that'd be a perfect scenario for them to do the exact same thing, drive right to the bucket and kick out. But, you know, like I said earlier, they were doing their peacock thing. And uh, it, it just seemed like that's the scenario we want is for them to the other team to be forced to go into a small ball lineup because that's where we should really eat up teams. And, you know, maybe tonight was just an aberration, but. You know, I, you haven't seen them in the last few weeks take advantage of small ball lineups like you, you think that they should be able to. Yeah, the other side of that, I mean, they stop going to the post to Kevin Love, which is inexplicable. I mean, that first possession, first or second possession of overtime, they threw it down in the post to Kevin Love, and he got he got three free throws on two different post-ups. Or made three free throws on two different post-ups. It's like they just stop running that. Now, the counter-argument is, you know, in the postseason, the Cavs will actually run plays. <laughs> they will actually have a playbook, and they will just not sit out there and freelance the whole time. Secondly, they have all this time to practice, put in their packages. They're not trying to show too much in the regular season, which to me is ridiculous, but whatever. I'm going to take what they say, or, you know, what the dominant... A narrative is at face value. The other thing is they'll have more time to lock in on defense and play, you know, scout these guys. But if, and it's more of a possession game, but if I'm one of these other teams playing them, I realize they have absolutely no bench. They get gas in the fourth quarter. I'm trying to run this team into the ground and I'll play my bench heavy minutes just to wear out the starters and try and win the game in the fourth quarter, which has been the M.O. for all of the last month and a half against every team playing them. <clears throat> so how they fix that, I don't know. Um, I well, thought the way Dante they fixed... Jones coming. That should help with that. Who? Is that who Dante Jones. Sign? That's what I've seen. Oh, is that... Because earlier I heard it was Dante Jones and... Um, who was Verizhao and I saw that too. So I don't know. And and yeah, we can talk about that move a little bit. I mean my I loved Liggins as a starter. I think putting a low usage, high defense player uh with that starting lineup was actually a really intelligent yeah. move and giving him big minutes with the starters would be helpful, but the Cavs don't want to do it and I think it was real clear from early in the season that LeBron James did not like DeAndre Liggins because he kept asking for another playmaker. And the other, so I asked the question today, um, the playoff roster is limited to 13 slots. So what was the point of this move? Well, then you realize this must mean the Cavs have absolutely no faith that, uh, the late show, Larry Sanders, is going to give them anything in the postseason, and he's going to be on the inactive roster. And we all know that, you know, uh, Shrimp, Killer Shrimp, 
Uh, Kay Felder is not going to give them anything in the postseason. So if they wanted to add somebody, this is the guy they had to cut. Um, cause those two guys aren't even going to play in the postseason. So I think it's a dumb move, but if you feel like you need that veteran to kick everybody's butt and that veteran is Dante Jones, then I guess that's the guy you get. The other thought is that maybe Tristan's thumb injury is a, going to be a bigger deal than they thought and they need to get another big. Uh, do I think that big is Anderson Verjao? I love Andy as much as anybody. I think the Cavs should retire his numbers someday, but that's not going to move the needle much for the Cavs, especially defensively. So hashtag, hashtag never trade Andy. Hashtag never trade Andy. Well, they traded Andy, so I can. <laughs> I know. I can uh, get off my soapbox. But Boy, Andy's best. I need Andy's best years. No one will ever remember because the Cavs were so bad. Yeah. Like he was a he was like a really good player. He had a fifteen um, and fifteen season going. Yeah, you know, for a while. Yeah, and he kind of like perfected uh, that little seventeen foot jumper for like yeah. two or three seasons. He had that working. I remember thinking like, man, if only he had had that like four or five years before that. <laughs> yeah, well, and if only he could stay healthy and you know, yeah, injuries really. Uh, and really maybe put a damper on a lot maybe, of his maybe the problem was his high fat, high cavalier dancer diet that um, that kind of sapped his effectiveness. He always seemed like maybe he didn't. Well, there was a running rumor that he went through two or three dancers a year. <laughs> oh wow, really? <laughs> so that, I think that was in the horror of Akron book. So you know, who knows how accurate that is? Oh, I would not trust anything. Yeah, <laughs> Scott Rapp says, but. but uh, it's a it's okay. a funny urban legend, and it was yeah. clear that he was not a, a workout warrior. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he so. he he was downright like had like a little bit of flab on him. Yeah, he was downright downright doughy. So yeah, so yeah, I don't think that's the answer. But <laughs> I mean, it just seems like whatever you think this team can do to surprise you. They got another trick they'll, up their sleeve. Yeah, they'll find a way. Yeah, they will. They, there's no, there's no pattern. I mean, I, I seriously thought they were going to get waxed by Boston in Boston by double digits. And they second out of the back to back, and they kicked their butt. Yeah, and then they they play Atlanta, who's not even that good. They play their bench, and they get like lit up, and then they blow a 26 point lead to the same team. So you would think the revenge factor would be about as strong as it's ever. I mean, how many more reasons do you need to win today's game? That's my whole thing. Is like, if you want to talk about, oh, they're they're just waiting for the playoffs. Like, then why even play? Why not just why not just lose a hundred and fifty to seven and play like your D League team? Like, why why even yeah. go out there and risk injury if you don't want to win the game? I, I yeah, don't really it, buy that argument. They don't really care. I don't know. And that's the maddening thing about Tyron Lue is <laughs> he's he's coaching these their A team and they're still losing. I mean, Kyrie reportedly had a knee problems for weeks, coming off tendonitis, plays forty plus minutes. <laughs> exactly. You, like, you can't say you don't care if you're having LeBron James play every single minute of the first half. Every yeah, minute. he's fouling out. Yeah, and then he's fouling out. I mean, and. Tom, I'll ask you the question because to me the answer is yes. Does Tyron Lue seem incompetent right now? Well, I'll just say this, Nate. 
I, I thought Teron Lou's rotation management in the playoffs last year was head scratching at best and sometimes downright like disrespectful to just my acumen as a fan. Like playing Mo Williams after the season Mo Williams had was just so luna so there was just so much lunacy in that decision. I don't know. I, I guess that was one of those like he's gonna trust a veteran or something. I don't know, because Mo Williams gave the Cavs nothing last year at either end. He was horrible defensively. He was horrible offensively. He wasn't even he shooting well. He was reportedly uh, a problem in the locker room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the Cavs, I mean, I know I always do this, but the Cavs scored on like 15 straight possessions in one game against Toronto by playing LeBron off the ball and doing pick and rolls with a combination of Delavadova, Richard Jefferson, and Channing Frye. And then they just stopped doing it. They just decided, no, that doesn't that, that must not work anymore. So they must have figured that out. And they stopped putting LeBron off the ball. And here's the reality. They, they won a championship. So you can't really criticize anything. I can't I can't go back and criticize the decision to put Iman Shumpert on Stephen Curry for the last two possessions. But I remember in the moment like flipping out about it because that's how little I trusted Shumpert. <laughs> but it, I mean, but 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 Curry made the, missed the shots and they won. So well, I mean, what am I supposed what, to do? That's what somebody. But, I hate that sort of. I hate results based analysis. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. that's kind of just like, oh well. What do you, it's just like Kyrie Irving. It's like, well, you can't criticize Kyrie Irving anymore because he hit like one of the greatest shots in NBA history. So even though his defense sucked before and it sucks now, you can't say anything about it because well, it's Kyrie Irving. You know, and if right. you. And some people do, but as a Cavs fan, you're in an awkward position because you sort of just have to like defend Kyrie's honor against all the naysayers, or else I guess you're not really a Cavs fan. But to well, answer your original question, no, I didn't think last year Lou made smart rotation choices, and I don't think he has this year. And, I mean, you've been saying free leggings for weeks. Well, when your biggest problem is lack of transition defense, lack of defense in general, toughness and athleticism well i get that he's gonna give you nothing offensively but at least he kind of does those things right. so just and you're gonna he drop all these around games. and turn the ball over he passes to the next right. guy if you're gonna if you're gonna just be giving up these games anyway you know change it up like go for a defensive focused lineup challenge your team just be like i don't care if you don't hit a three this whole game I want you to keep the other team from scoring a three. I just want you to all night chase them off the line. I want you to practice chasing guys off the line or something. Or tonight, no transition baskets. If you even think they might get a transition basket, you bear hug them. I don't care if you give up clear path fouls. Like, just do what Delhi did all of the last three years. Just grab guys when you think, oh, this might turn into a situation where there's like a three-on-two break. We better stop it now and do a side out where our defensive rating will jump by, like, 70%. But the Cavs don't do that anymore. So, yeah, no, I mean, I thought last year Lou was interesting to me because I thought the Cavs were outstanding out of timeouts on play calls. So I got to give him credit there. Like, some of their play calling out of timeouts were just sublime. They did win the title, and then there was that whole thing about how he got in LeBron's face at halftime. So, you know, whatever... Maybe yeah, that's he's immeasurable. waiting to get in LeBron's face because well, that's like one of those immeasurable things. But if that is what happened, I mean, and LeBron responded the right way, 
that's, I mean, they won the championship for that. So I don't want to like, you know, kind of gloss over the good things he's done. But I will say from a rotation standpoint, it didn't make sense at all last year that Channing Fry got like no burn until one game. It was like, oh, why not? Let's just play Channing Fry. And then they set an NBA record for three pointers. Right. (laughs) And then Fry practically won a game for them against Atlanta. Yeah. And then they just stopped playing him again. And it's like, wow, okay. I mean. Well, it's like what happened earlier there this year with their jumbo lineup where they had um, Derek Williams at the two and they were running Fry and Richard Jefferson and LeBron and um, was it Corver? I can't remember who the last guy in that lineup was. You mean back in February when they were yeah. winning all their games? Yes, they were killing teams. And now they're not running it at all. And it's like. Now, yeah, now we don't, we don't see Derek Williams anymore, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, what what is going on here? And I don't know. It just makes no sense. And the other side of that being, you know, you, you see, like, does David Griffin have any input on this? To me, it just seems like everything I watch as it's going on throughout the season, it just makes me think LeBron James is coach and GM of this team. And the team is subject to his whims on any night. And the people that they have in are the people LeBron James wants in. And the people they have out are the people LeBron James wants out. And maybe Dan Gilbert gets to have his token player in Kay Felder, but that's about it. And, I mean, it speaks to the lack of consistency from the coaching. It speaks to the lack of minutes consistency. It speaks to... Kind of the bizarre, I mean, what is the point of Larry Sanders exactly? If your whole goal is to win a championship this year, why is Larry Sanders on your roster? Well, you know, just a high, high, low risk, high reward, I guess. I don't know. I, yeah, I didn't and, hate that move. And you can only keep 13 guys, but you would think you would want one guy to kind of play his way into the back end of your rotation and, you know, keep somebody else off the off the floor but you know i thought that guy was liggins and then they cut him so I, well I, i'm gonna just really quick i don't draw the same conclusions as you that lebron's running the gm role because when when griffin got corver lebron like went out of his way to like criticize the roster the next day yeah so it wasn't even like wow and now you grab kyle corver so we got even more shooting it was like we need more toughness and more playmakers and all this stuff. And, I mean, he's gotten Channing Fry. That was his boy in Phoenix. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think but, – but I will say I think you got to – as much as we want to <clears throat> praise Griffin every year for all the rabbits out of the hat, all the rabbits he's picking out are offensive-minded, you know, somewhat right. one-trick yeah, pony players. players. Yeah, and yeah, that was his MO uh, in Phoenix too. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about recently too is, uh, you know, all of us have loved Delhi so much last year, and I think we were feeling feeling his loss right now more than anything because when he came into the game, you were guaranteed that at least one player on the floor was dedicated to moving the ball, setting screens, and just having continual motion on offense. And stopping and the guy we, breaks. Right. And the guy yeah. we replaced him with in Darren Williams for the last, what, probably five, six years has been arguably the only competent at least in 
uh, in Brooklyn. He was the only competent player on that team for a while. So he, in his mind, like at least to me, he seems like he expects to do the exact same thing that Kyrie and LeBron do. He doesn't. He's not a really good ball mover in the same sense that that Delhi was, where even if he didn't have the ball in his hands, he was going and setting screens and continuing continuing to move. And Darren Williams doesn't do that. So if LeBron and Kyrie don't go into the game with that mindset to have good motion on offense, like there's no one else because everyone else's job is to spot up around the three point line, and that's exactly what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the you, funny you'll thing notice is, when they when they play a lot of these games and things start to get tough and the other team's defense starts to tighten up, there's no plan B. It's just like Channing Fry, instead of having an uncontested three, is now launching a contested three. That's like that's really the only difference. And instead of four or five passes, there's like two passes. And it's like, well, I mean, we're we're a drive and kick team. I guess I should shoot it. And then you get these lopsided, you know, three-point attempt numbers, but the percentage just isn't as good. They don't. Yeah, yeah they don't. I'll, I'll counter don't. that, Tom. Okay. They ran a brilliant. They ran a great play tonight. Um, in overtime, uh, Atlanta went up by two, and then they ran a staggered for screen Corbin. for Kyle Corbin, mm. and he got open at the top of the key, and the, Richard Jefferson just laid out i think it was kent bazemore uh whoever was tailing um, i can't stand that guy i know (laughs) whoever was tailing corver rj laid him out he was on the floor for a good three minutes and corver hit a wide open shot and it's like when they get corver involved in the offense like that where he has that decision whether to shoot or pass I, that he's great. Corey is one of the few guys I'm just like amazed at his basketball IQ with just little things he does when he's on the court. And, you know, he always seems to make a very good, you know, a very solid decision, whether it's, you know, and when you're that good of a shooter, shooting is always a good decision. But they just, then they do that and then they run these plays where, like Kyrie tonight at the end of the game was just abysmal, throwing the ball away, taking bad. Pull- he took a thirty foot pull up at the beginning of the shot clock with a lead <laughs> in overtime, and I'm like, even the announcers, and it was a, it could have taken somebody's head off. It came <laughs> off the backboard so hard, and it was just a complete garbage shot. And even AC and you know Fred were like, what is that? That that doesn't make any sense. Oh, I know he does. He, I almost <laughs> feel like he got a talking to after Friday's game because he was, he was having a meltdown Friday's game. He, he was. was, I know, I know. <laughs> I think so too. I, I think someone had to be like, you got to stop like publicly admonishing the Cavs. And it's, yeah. that's just how he feels. I mean, yeah. he's, he gets well, so how, frustrated. We get just as frustrated. <laughs> Well, yeah. but we're not paid by the team. Yeah. <laughs> and on a side note with uh, with AC and Fred McLeod, one of my favorite things about watching games on Fox Sports is uh, is every time you hear uh, Fred McLeod tell AC to stop body checking him. <laughs> it's about oh, one yeah. of the funniest things. Yeah. Yeah, just, just don't push me anymore, AC. Oh, sorry. I just got really into it. It's yeah. one of my favorite things about their broadcast. Yeah, they're, but, uh, they're really good. And uh, you can tell this is killing them right now. I mean, I don't know. I've heard wow from Fred and AC 
more times in the last yeah. two weeks just of the Cavs. I mean, tonight was an utter collapse. I, everything, the Cavs just did so many stupid things. It's like you said, if you just run the clock down to 23 seconds and jack up a three, you you're probably and win get back easily. on defense, yeah. you're still winning. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. If I, you only I, score, if you score eight points, right, but go with that strategy, I doubt Atlanta is going to score 34. I really right. do. And that was why Kelly was so great last year of he at least knew how he was in the NFL parlance, a game manager, you know, yeah, he knew I mean, how to manage Delhi, the game and not lose it. Yeah. I mean, Delhi, you know, had his warts and he, but the one thing he was a very smart player. And, you know, I think a lot of times, especially, you know, as his career went on, we overrated his ISO, ISO defense because he was just so like tenacious. But the fact was he wasn't that actually good because he's short and he would get low and guys would just kind of shoot over him. But his help defense, his, his, his clock awareness, his court awareness. I mean, I've, he was never in the wrong to, position. He had to have set an NBA record last year for transition fouls. Yeah. And you think about how smart that is. And some people would even get annoyed by that. Oh, it's ruining the game. I'm like, okay, no, it's not. And second of all, look at what a team's like points per possession is in transition situations versus half-court situations. It is a huge disparity. He was turning every one of those plays that was probably going to turn into a transition, fouling without clear path fouling because he was still in front of the guy. And it was just a really smart thing to do. And it always blew my mind why he was the only one that would do it. Like, all these other guys are too afraid to pick up a foul. You know, it's like, come on. Just, like, do what you need to do at all times to maximize your, your chance of winning. Well, and, it's like that old line from White Man Can't Jump. I mean, would the Cavs rather look good and lose or look bad and win? <laughs> well, and then I was talking to Eli before about how, you know, there was all that people always talked about how like Kyrie hated Delhi at first because in practice, you know, he was just so tenacious and they were like, man, you got to relax, you know? Um, but maybe that is what's been missing is they just don't have like an internal, like irrit irritant like that to remind them that nothing's easy because I feel like they just expect teams to lay down for them and teams don't lay down and then they don't know and they don't know how to respond. Well, I, I would go farther than to say the Cavs, to a man, don't seem like they want that. They seem like they don't appreciate that because if you if they did, DeAndre Liggins would still be on the team. Like, yeah, you're right. I, I told I made the comment earlier. DeAndre Liggins had to lead the league in steals after a made basket on the baseline. Because he had to have like four, five, maybe six of those this year um, in the NBA, and that'll stop. You. That'll help your transition defense. Um, right. And he's not on the team anymore. I mean, it's just it's baffling. The Cavs don't seem to want that kind of guy on the team because maybe he's showing up the veterans too much. I don't know. I it just I don't know. The, this team just seems to have the wrong attitude about everything right now. They yeah. just seem really soft, too. Just yeah. really soft. I mean, I mean and every too... sorry, oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Sam. No, no, I, you go. Well, and this isn't really a very like thought out speculation or observation, but it just gets me. It, it 
it always like kind of fires me up in a bad way every single time something bad's happening to the Cavs and they show a picture of Tyron Lude. He's got that same kind of like dazed, you know, blank expression. Like, you know, I, I think of like Pop or, or Kerr or or Budenholzer, like they never like they're yelling the entire time like something, like showing emotion and Tyron Lude's just sitting there on, on the bench like looking like he's, you know, counting I, I don't know. He just looks completely out of it every time. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why I, that gets I, me so bad, but it does. I always say that teams reflect the attitude of their head coach, and you've definitely mm-hmm. seen a reflection of that attitude. I mean, if I was that team tonight, I would be pissed as hell. And if I was Ty Lu, I'd have been pissed as hell. I mean, he should have taken a tech on some of those crap calls in the at the end of regulation and in the uh, overtime. I mean. That call on LeBron was one of the worst foul, worst calls I've ever seen in my life. You do not foul out LeBron James on an absolute phantom call in overtime that the other team was going to get the rebound anyway. <laughs> I mean, those refs were garbage, and Ty Lue's not pissed. I mean, to me, it is the – in the pantheon of faces that Bill Simmons used to talk about, you know, there was the Art Shell face – Ty Lu has the art shell face, um, and there was also the uh, Byron Scott face. You know, the arms uh, folded. I yeah, mean, arms folded. I mean, well, there was the Mike Brown face where oh, his the mouth smell the fart face. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of other coaches, my my buddy after the game sent me that clip of uh, Jim Mora, that oh, famous oh, press yeah. conference. Just yeah. watch it and imagine like him in Cavaliers gear, and it is yeah. so appropriate. It's hilarious. Oh, the playoffs! Playoffs! Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> what it is. Yeah, but I mean, Ty Lue isn't even that animated. <laughs> I wish. I wish he was. This. I yeah. wish he was. I just feel like he's like not happy to. He just seems miserable. He does not <laughs> seem happy. He, I mean, he said the other night, "We suck." I mean, he he doesn't seem happy. No one seems happy, well, I and mean, they all seem—they just don't seem like they have any confidence either. I don't—I don't know. Well, I think he—he he needs to take LeBron aside and say, "Tonight, I'm going to rip your ass <laughs> in front of all the guys," just because I think they need it. And you know, don't take it personally. <laughs> and but I don't think LeBron would go for that. I think all well, these no. guys Isn't... are way too invested in their brands. Their appearance. I mean, they just seem like a bunch of peacocks right now. Or as well, Tony Kornheiser a... would say, preening schmoes. So, yeah. <laughs> and isn't that like, isn't that why they brought Ty Lue in? Yeah. It was because he was the coach who was going to stand up to LeBron. That's true. And, and that's, yeah, that's like, true. listening to Windhorse talk, I, I listened to him on a podcast the other day where he was recounting like all the different times that Tyron Lue got in LeBron's face once he took over as a coach. And I just I, I watched them this year and I, I just don't see how that's, you know, you know, maybe that happened last year. I can't I can't see how that's happened once this year. No. Just, and when LeBron with... and Tristan got into it the other day, supposedly yeah. LeBron just kind of poo pooed Ty Lue and told him. Yeah, he brushed him off. He brushed him off. And if I was Ty Lue, I'd have sent him to the frickin showers. <laughs> yeah, because you I mean, LeBron. James, for all of his brilliance as a basketball player, you know, he his fault is that he gets in love with his own dribbling. And he he needs a coach 
to it's point that out and say, exactly, that's exactly what it is, you know? And when he doesn't have the players out there like like your Boshes or your Wades who he respects on and off the court. And that can tell him that are he's, real he's men, smelling like, himself it too got, much. Yeah. It has got to be Tyron Lue. And I, I, yeah. it just doesn't even seem like that's an option with Tyron Lue right now. Yeah, and yes. I, I almost think that um, Larry Drew is going to be coaching the team by the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate, I got to go. Sam, great meeting you. Great talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm worried. I'm officially – I've been worried for, like, weeks because just what I see, I just don't – I don't know. It, it's it's the thing I used to talk about way back in the day where the Cavs were young and expectations were low. And I was often p- considered overly critical of like Dion Waiters and Tristan Thompson in particular. And my my whole take back then was like, look, I don't expect them to be great all the time, but I expect them to have like a, a high ceiling, like a number right. four pick. Two number four picks should have a high, like, all-star level ceiling. Sure. And I just don't see it. People used to say, oh, and Waiters can drop 30 every night. And I'd be like, he's dropped 30 <laughs> once in his entire yeah. career. That doesn't mean he can drop 30 every night. It means he's probably not going to drop 30, actually. You know? I think they're referring to scowls, not points. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I feel that it's way about the Cavs and defense. Yeah. I, don't expect the and the Cavs, I don't expect the Cavs to try to grind out 66 wins. I don't expect them to be top five in defense. I don't expect them to care all that much when they lose a regular season game. But where is their deep? Like, what is their defensive ceiling? Like, when they get in a dogfight with a team, a good team, which all playoff teams are good, and you just gotta like not let a team score for two or three minutes. I, they just haven't shown they can do that at all. So that's, I guess, that's how my parting thought. You guys carry okay. on for another two two hours or however long. No, you no, want. no. So final, final great, great. gut feeling, Tom. Do the Cavs make the finals? Right now, I'd say no. But you know, I mean, if they did, neither one would surprise me to be honest. But yeah. again, Roll if the they dice. didn't, if they didn't, I would go. Well, we saw that coming based on how they didn't defend like for four months and the fact that you know they were always tired in the fourth quarter. And if they do. I mean, I'll say, well, I guess the switch is real. I mean, that's, I mean, <laughs> I've got no indication from the regular season that they'll survive the gauntlet, even in the East. And that being said, I think this is the weakest Eastern Conference in a really long time. I mean, no one's talking about it as much because the Cavs are technically the defending champs. But, like, look at the standings. The, <laughs> the East would be, like, starting in the four seed. Yeah. It's just really bad. So I mean, yeah, they could definitely get back. I mean, they could, they could totally do it. But I mean, something has to change. They cannot play the way they've played the last month and a half and survive Washington or Toronto and maybe not even Boston. Yeah. Well, and beyond that, I I do not see this team beating any team coming out of the West right now. Oh no, I don't really I see mean, any Golden team. State looks like a any... friggin' juggernaut right now. Yeah. They do, and the Spurs are no slouch, but I don't. I don't think anyone's going to touch uh, the Warriors. Uh, but anyway, you yeah. never know. I mean, you never know. You run That's out the ground ball. The That's why you play the games. Anything can happen. So, yep. all right, gentlemen. Good talking talk to you. Peace yeah, out, Tom. We'll see <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was uh, that was a that was a rough one. 
Um, was there any, <laughs> I mean, we didn't go through the box scores at all, but I mean, it was just, it wasn't even a, it was kind of a game that belied box scores too, because it was, I mean, they lost it all in the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter and then in, in crunch time and overtime. And it was just, yeah, it was and just, just looking through it. Like, I mean, the, the things that jump out to me right away is LeBron James played 47 minutes and even fouled out a minute into, what was it? Two minutes into overtime. Like mm-hmm. he didn't play in overtime very long. So that means he sat three minutes the entire game before yeah. overtime. Yeah. That's insane. That's insane. It's, yeah. I, well, it, here's the thing. So let's, let's go through the minutes count. Uh, Darren Williams, eight minutes. So clearly there is not a lot of trust there. No. Um, Derek Williams, no minutes. James Jones, no minutes. Uh, Kyle Corver, 28 minutes. Iman Shumpert, 18 minutes and minus 23. <laughs> I mean, Which, the that, fact that, that they, makes perfect sense. The fact that they cut Liggins this morning is just baffling. It just makes no sense. Right, especially <laughs> like, when what the do guy they need help more than in. anything with right now? They need help on the wing. <laughs> it, it almost makes me think that, like, you know, they talked about when they cut Dante Jones at the beginning of the year that there was kind of a, you know, we'll have you back for the playoffs kind of thing. Yeah, maybe that was it. And it almost makes me wonder if, even though they. I mean, maybe they did want him. Maybe they really didn't want Liggins on the team. Yeah. But maybe there's almost, something that it, happened behind closed doors. I don't know. It would make me feel better if they, yeah, like you said, there was something behind closed doors and they just had to do it. Or they, they felt like they didn't have any other option other than to bring him in. Because if they, if this was like their answer to what's been going on the last, the last uh, few weeks, like that's terrifying. <laughs> that's <laughs> terrifying if Dante Jones is your answer. Yeah. And, I mean, Friday's game, it was just a total lack of effort in the fourth quarter. And, obviously, that was going on uh, tonight or this afternoon. But, that being yeah. said, I thought Corver played a really nice game. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, Corver is... The, the, only, the only thing about Corver is, like, it seems like once a game, he closes out on a shooter too aggressively and sends him to the foul line. Yeah, yeah. But, other a, than that... That's like, a tough line to draw. A, yeah, he is such a joy to watch on offense. Yeah, and then like, the funny thing was is that LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin all had monster games. I mean, yeah. you look at Kyrie at 45 points and 9 rebounds, uh, you know, on just 30 shots. Um, LeBron had 32, 16 rebounds, 10 boards. Kevin Love had 11 and 15 rebounds. I mean, and two, but again, free throws. Again, the Cavs. LeBron goes nine of ten. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving both miss a crucial free throw in overtime. Right. Uh, Kyrie right. Irving misses his second free throw all time in an overtime. Right. I mean, just the lack of focus at times. It like it just seems, you know, they rebound this team, out rebound this team, fifty three to forty five. They only had six yeah. turnovers going into the fourth quarter. It's like they made ten more threes. When you look at the box score, if you didn't know what the final score was and you looked at the box score, you would like, like yeah. We shot more shots than them. We hit ten more threes than them, and that. But 
we out rebounded them. We had more assists. We had only two more turnovers. Like, and then they went to the line thirty-seven times. Thirty-seven times. It's unreal. Yeah, that, you know I the mean, there was some home LeBron. cooking in Atlanta. Oh my gosh! That <laughs> but five count again, was about the fastest yeah. five seconds I've ever seen in the NBA. Yeah, that was. Well, he gave him the ball. The ball was still in the air, getting tossed <laughs> to LeBron, and it was already at one. He was already at one. Yeah. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, Amon Shumpert. You know, 18 minutes minus 23. I'm almost positive that, you know, seven, or 15 to 16 of those minutes came in the fourth, the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter in overtime. It didn't seem like he sat the entire time. Yeah. And, and then, like in crunch time at the end of regulation, I'm like, why is Shumpert in on offense when you've got Kyle Corver sitting there? Right. <laughs> why aren't you going offense for defense? Right. <laughs> I just. I mean, I'd rather have Richard Jefferson taking those minutes than Amon Shumpert at this point. Oh, yeah. Because if I nothing mean, else, yeah. I know I know Richard Jefferson knows exactly what his role is on this team. Yeah. And I don't think Shumpert does. I think that's 90% of the problem. Well, it, and if he doesn't know what his role is, then that's the coach's fault as well. Yeah, that's true. Him, Stop dribbling. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like, I'm more than willing to, like, tweet my, my number at to uh, Tyron Lue and be like, hey, if you need someone to be the bad guy, like, <laughs> yeah. let me know. If you need a Turk. I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah, it, that, it's that just, was a brutal game. <laughs> like I said, like, Friday night, like, I could kind of understand it. Like, you know, Boston was a big game, you know, kind of an emotional high. It it was a, your classic letdown game. They weren't playing their starters. I understood that. You know, it was, not, it was annoying nonetheless, but I, I kind of understood it. But there's just no excuse for tonight. Just absolutely. Oh yeah, no. they, they found a way to lose this game. It's like Tom said: yeah. if they'd have gone three and out and punted every time, they would have won the game. <laughs> you know, it just uh, it was bad. So yeah. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Tom. Gut feeling, you know, now that we've gotten that catharsis out of the way, and and I don't know if you read my pregame, but basically my pregame was. Stop playing like a-holes. Well, <laughs> they did for about three, 36 minutes tonight, and then... They looked great. I mean, you could sum up this entire game with looking at the the assists per quarter. Yeah. I mean, they had, what, 24 assists going into the into the fourth quarter, and then they had four assists for overtime and, and the fourth board, quarter combined. Yeah. I mean, that that really sums it up. I, I don't, You don't have to say anything else. Yeah. If you tell me that before the game, I'm telling you, yeah, we probably lost that game. Yeah, and not I, knowing I'm going to tell you, Dar- Darren Williams has been an abject disaster lately. I mean, yes. if you are Darren Williams and you get no assists in your time on the court, you are not doing your job because you should be running that offense and and set, setting up the offense. And, and that's on the coach as well. But, I mean, he can't guard anybody. He is as I call him Pudge. Um he can yeah. he's just not a very good player right now. And like Tom said, it's these high offense, low defense, uh kind of if he was any good, the Mavs wouldn't have let him go. <laughs> so Right. Because if nothing else, you know that they're building for the future. If you've got a quality vet and his contract wasn't ridiculous, it's not like they were you know, hurting for money because they still have to pay his yeah. salary. So that tells you, uh, I don't buy the whole like, 
Oh, you know, we're going to let him go out and try and win a ring. Yeah, and it's a different situation than Jose Calderon, who the the Lakers were just actively tanking. Right. You know, and Calderon, you look at him tonight, the dude's in shape. (laughs) The dude actually looks like he needs to eat a sandwich. I mean, (laughs) he, but you get to that age, you can't be overweight. (laughs) No, and there was that play where Darren Williams was was, uh, bringing the ball up the court. I don't know if it should have been an over and back call or something, but there was some little, you know, scramble between him and Calderon. And then Darren Williams proceeds to try and bowl right through Calderon and dribbles the ball out of bounds. <laughs> and I was just looking at both. I, I watched that play and I was just like, I, I, realistically, we had the option between the two guys. And you never want to like sum it up in one play, but it's like, yeah, but that was geez, the play. Who would you rather have right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think when the Cavs, the Cavs get stars in their eyes in the, in the free yes, agent market, especially during the regular season. And they, more and more, it seems like that is happening and they don't want to mine the, you know, the D league for role players or, so I don't know right. what's going to happen. I'm, I, I'm at my wits end with this team. And as Tom said, they can make the finals. They could even win the finals. Right. Um, but, because you know, I mean, there's only I, so I, many unicorns that stink. In, the Cavs are very rare what they did last year of stinking in the regular season or being very mediocre in the regular season, absolutely turning on the afterburners in the postseason. And, you know, maybe that year's the outlier and not the norm for the Cavs. So, right. And they almost, well, at, as some people, sorry, I'll, I'll let you well, you're talk fine. here in a second. It almost, <laughs> as some people on the blog to say, said, it almost makes you want to root for the opponent. Like, at the end of the game, I was like, just put the Cavs out of their misery, Hawks. Yeah. You know? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. Sorry. And, like, there's obviously either. a different, no, you're fine. <laughs> there's obvious, you know, there's a different style of play in, in the postseason. That's part of the reason why the Cavs are so, so good in the postseason is when it slows down and you need to rely more on, that one-on-one approach, and I mean, we've got two of probably the best five one-on-one offensive players in the league, in Kyrie and LeBron. Yeah. So there's going to be a step up, if for no other reason than that, there's going to be a step up because we've got those two players. That the playoffs is more well suited for them. Right. But man, does it just try your patience until we get there? Right. Well, and the other thing is, there's usually only a there's a day off between every game. Um, there is usually a day off if there's a travel day, although I don't think they do it in the Eastern Conference playoffs, especially in the first round. But uh, yeah. there's a lot of extra days off built in there. Um, you have a good five days to get ready for the playoffs, four or five days. So I, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I This team, yeah. I've never seen a team like this. I've never seen a team, that was one of the most, insane collapses I've ever I've seen in, in pro sports history. I mean, that was almost as bad as the Texans losing the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I mean, it was just well, I, you have to try almost to to blow a lead like that. Yeah, I'm to the point where I feel like I need to have someone in the same room watching the game watching the <laughs> game with me for two reasons. <laughs> well, the first reason is just when these incredible things happen, I feel like I need someone else there to co- like confirm that that actually happened. Yeah. Some of the times I can't believe it. I, it just doesn't seem like reality. 
And yeah, I mean, how is... many plays at the end of that game did the Cavs blow? I mean, just that one where they threw it to Kyrie and and uh, Bazemore. I think it was it was either Bazemore or Hardaway just gets the ball and goes down and gets a layup. And it's like, how do you let that happen? That's like the one thing you can't have happen. <laughs> right. And, and the other reason I need someone there is one of these. I swear, one of these days, as a as a healthy, fit twenty four year old. I'm going to have an aneurysm. I am. I'm going to have a stroke watching this team play. Nah, see, you can't let yourself get that worked up. I stopped. Ooh. I mean, that's the thing. The one great thing about winning the championship is, is like, okay, yes, this year is frustrating, but the Cavs got their championship. I'm not going to get too up yeah. or too down. You know, you just got to smile it, and shake it right. off. And it might just be because I'm still a young fan, you know. I've you haven't experienced only, heartbreak, for right? The I'm only 24, and yeah. you know, I I've got Ohio State, and you know, so I I've had some championships before, so it's you know, it's not the same. Like, you know, I thought that you know, once I won the championship, the for the first four months, like that's what my response was, you know, until about mid February about mid-March to every time something went bad, I was like, you know what? doesn't matter. We're the champions. Like Cleveland has a championship. You can't, there's nothing else matters, but man, and it might just be my age, but I feel like that excuse has started to wear out for me now. And I didn't think that would happen. Well, the, the other thing is just the way they're losing of just total oh. lack of effort and lack right. of, um, I mean, it's embarrassing, to be frank. Right. But, you know, the Cavs are, I believe, well, let me look at the standings now. I think they're tied now. Yeah, with Boston. and I They've got the tiebreaker. They have the tiebreaker. There's two games left uh, Monday night in Miami, uh, and that is not going to be an easy win because Miami's oh. desperately trying to make the postseason. Um, and then Wednesday against... The Raptors uh, in the queue, and you got to hope. I mean, my my question on that one is, is if it's still tied to the Cavs play hard? I don't know. I don't know what happens. So, and is there a player in the league you'd you'd you know? Is there any player that you'd rather not see more than Dion Waiters coming up this night or <laughs> coming up this next game? I don't know. Has he been healthy? I don't I, know if he's I, been playing. Oh, is he out right now? I, he's in and out so much. Um, he's listed as questionable so, for okay. this game as of uh, he probably a few watched hours this ago. game and went yeah, into like he a has, he hasn't played or something in the last uh, week or so. So probably going to make like a sacrifice or like uh, he's going to go out and catch mice to sacrifice to some deity yeah. in order to. Well, yeah, he's been out since the fifth uh, since the middle of March. So, but I guess he has been targeting this game to come back. So. <laughs> That doesn't surprise me one bit. And as Dion said earlier, um, LeBron is afraid to face me in round one. <laughs> you know, you can, I will always maintain I there will never be a day that I don't miss Dion Waiters being on the Cavs team. <laughs> and there will never be a day. I, will, I agree with you. There will also never be a day that I say, man, do I miss – do I – wish Kyrie or, or uh, Dion Waiters was on the floor right now because he was even more manlingly inconsistent than half the guys on this Cavs team. So. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that makes me appreciate this point in, you know, the Cavs 
during this this LeBron era because I remember it must have been the uh, the year before LeBron came back watching those Cavs teams and there was you know the big debate that was raging between me and my buddies was you know who's better long term for them Kyrie or Dion no, like, I yeah, legitimately no, had yeah <laughs> I I legitimately had debates about that and I didn't know like it was a toss up sometimes and. This well, kind of makes the funny thing was, you remember how good that Delhi Dion lineup was when they yes. started at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and it would be like, you know, Delhi would run the offense, and then Dion would freelance, and they were, re- and Delhi was really good at setting Dion up too, and yeah. they were really good together, and <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of fool's gold, and then Dion went to OKC and was similarly inconsistent and Kyrie had some, you know, other, a couple other worldly seasons, but you know, for a while there, it was a debate. So. I mean, it was just at the end of that year, I think Kyrie might've even been hurt and they played like five or six games in a row. And I I don't even think they won all of them, but they were competitive in all of them. Mm -hmm. And Dion looked like a leader out there. And (laughs) I can remember thinking, Oh my gosh, like, we might have put our eggs in the wrong basket. <laughs> yeah. But then he got around LeBron and Chafe did his role. So I maybe, can't believe that happened. <laughs> maybe he has to be it. the alpha dog. So, uh, or the alpha dog on a bad team. <laughs> you know, so, he'd be the one to enjoy that role. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he is, he's got modern day Larry Hughes written all over him. So, um, <laughs> So Cavs got two games left. Uh, what do they do? You think they win them both? Um, I'm going to say, you know, I almost feel like they lose against Miami. Okay. I, I almost feel like they lose this one and then, and then. Well, it is the on Raptors the back end of the back-to-back. Shot. It is tomorrow. Right. And I feel then, like the sorry, Raptors is a crap shot. Yeah. Yeah, okay, one-on-one, maybe 0-2, who knows. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm gonna, I think the Cavs are going to slide to second. Boston's going to be super pleased, and then Isn't they're going to get all they can handle with Miami in the first round. Uh, actually, I'm going to predict Boston gets the number one seed, then loses in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in the eighth spot right now? Um, God, it changes every day, but yeah, let me look at the standings. Like, who won tonight? So the eighth spot right now is Chicago, but Miami is tied with them. And uh, both teams have two games left. So It's kind of crazy because, you know, even if you look at, like, Milwaukee possibly moving back a spot or two, which doesn't seem like as likely anymore. But I think if the Raptors went up, or I'm sorry, Boston went up against any one of those three teams, they wouldn't have the best player on the court, which is crazy for a second seed. Yeah. Well, first or second seed. Yeah, because there's Indiana, Chicago, and Miami, and I think they all three of those teams have a better player. I I think and any one of those teams. Milwaukee came, in there too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and honestly, the funny thing is, is Tom talked about how bad the East is on the front end, but the East is actually better. I feel like the the middle of the East is better than the middle of the West, but then I look at that and I go, yeah. would really Portland? Um, I mean, Portland would probably be a good East East Coast team. So I I don't know. I mean, 
it it should be interesting to see what happens. I actually really like. I think I feel like the funny thing is is Cavs losing to Atlanta twice. Is I feel like Atlanta is a better is the worst of those four teams of Milwaukee, Indiana, Chicago, and Atlanta. And and yet by losing twice, the Cavs have vaulted them up to the four spot. So I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. And I guess the only thing that you know gives me a little hope going forward is how good the Cavs have been against the other top four seeds this year. Because that's something that we've kind of overlooked. Because yeah. they're three and one against Boston. They swept Toronto this year, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And then they're what two and one against Washington. Yeah. So and we've really team, dominated. But the funny thing is, the teams that give them problems are, are the, the bottom Bucks, Pacers, and Bulls, and Heat. So and Hawk, like all the the I don't five like, through nine. Well, I don't feel like the Hawks really give them problems. I just feel like the Hawks, like I feel like that's totally a, a regular season thing. Like they just totally blew these yeah. two games. And if it was a playoff, they'd have won them. hopefully all of them are just like I said as long as we don't play the Bulls on TNT they shouldn't be any problem that is a problem for the first round they do play games on TNT that's a a problem for anybody yeah (laughs) anyone who plays the Bulls in the first round yeah and there's no guarantee the Bulls make it I mean I'm trying to see what's the Bulls remaining schedule I remember them having a really really I think they play like the Nets and the 76ers or something oh yeah so the Bulls Orlando and Brooklyn, yeah. Uh, Although thing. they lost to Brooklyn last night. <laughs> <laughs> so, the only team that might be more infuriating. And then they the lost to the Knicks uh, on on the fourth. So, yeah, they they are capable of losing to both those teams. And uh, teams, those kind of teams love ruining other team seasons. <laughs> sure. So especially Brooklyn is not even playing for a draft pick. Yeah, they, they're six. They're six and four in their last ten games. Like that's. <laughs> meanwhile, Miami is playing Cleveland and Washington, and with Washington, Oof. I think is still jockeying for position. Yeah, so, they're a half that, game, or I guess they're one and a half behind Toronto. The playoffs <laughs> are about what a week away now. Uh, we yeah. have two games, and then they'll probably start next Saturday. So we will see what happens. Um, and as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.